morning. <clears throat> it's just so good to be able to, to start off a day and uh, to remind ourselves um, of who God is and, um, and how he feels towards us, who he is and how he feels towards us. And um, share with you a lot here that I, I can't encourage you enough to be spending as much time as you can with this God who is so absolutely crazy about you. And uh, I know for me, in these last 10 days or so, I just feel like God is just consistently um, really showing up. When I'm showing up, he's like there. Did you guys know that? That's what's really cool. Like, if you show up, did you know he's always going to be there? Like, sometimes he's there and you don't show up, right? But, but when you show up, he's always there. And he's so ready to come into our life. And, and just some of the th- sweet things I feel like he's just be, been revealing to me recently, just about who he is and, and how he feels about us. And so this morning, to think about how, how faithful God is. Hmm. And I love, there's a scripture that says, even when you're not, he just is. <laughs> even when we're faithless, he's faithful. And he's faithful, he will always be loving us. And he will always be providing for us. And the, the really cool thing about God, too, is he will only do what's best for us. Only. And sometimes that's pleasurable, and sometimes that's painful. <laughs> because he loves you, and he only will do what's best for us. Because he wants us to share, as he says, in what I've got. I want you to share in me. I want you to share in my holiness. And, uh, and that's life, life to the full. The way we've been saying it kind of since the new year is, God really wants you to win. He wants you to win. He is so for you. And he came, he sent Jesus Christ into this world so that he could rescue us from everything that's destroying our lives and give us everything that we need. Everything we need, Peter says, for life and for godliness. Everything so that we can win. And... Um, and so today, uh, we're going to continue in this series on, called The Money Game. <laughs> because if God is so for us, and so wants us to win, and is so concerned about our lives, how interesting is it that he talks more about money than anything else in Scripture? <laughs> because apparently this whole issue of this green stuff is really, really important to us. And I think he knows that, and it is. So God wants to come in and really address, thank you, my friend, help you out there. Cool. Do you like that penmanship? It's beautiful, huh? I should have had my wife do it instead of me. But God's, we're going to talk about the money game because God talks about it and he so wants you to win this game. And what's crazy, what he says is when you win this game, you win. Because this affects every area of our life. Even as we hit this last week, it was so fun to talk to people and just say, I don't care who you are. I don't care how much money you have. If you've got tons of money, if you have no money, it doesn't matter. This affects all of us really, really deeply. So before I jump in, let's just pray. And let's just ask God to come um, and be, he's here with us. So let's ask him just to open up our hearts and open up our minds um, so that we can hear his voice and receive all that he has for us. Let's do it together. Father, thank you so much for being faithful. Thank you for never changing. Thank you that we can rely on you and that you have revealed your character to us 
as someone that we can trust who's always good. Someone that we can trust who, Lord, you're the only one who really knows how this life is supposed to work. It's what's right. God, thank you that you reveal to us what's right, your righteousness. And then over all that, God, thank you that we can know that as you lead us and as you teach us, even as you rebuke us, you always do it because you love us. So Lord, uh, you know us, you know every heart in this room today, and we just pray. I just pray for your grace to come and do amazing things, more than we imagined could happen. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hey, by the way, um, thanks for showing up this morning. Isn't that beautiful weather out there? You know, I mean, this was for us from Michigan. This is just, you know, just, hey, just a reminder of what you, you have to use to have to live in. So, but thank you so much for, for uh, I was driving in with my family, and I'm like, I wonder if anybody's going to come today, because <laughs> this is just nasty. So, way to go. That was, that's awesome. And, uh, and, I, and I just want to say that, too. As we jump into this issue on money today, for those of you who are here and you just worshiped God with all your heart, you love him. You, you love God, you, you've, you've received Christ, you, you, you call him your savior, your Lord, you're his, you, you would, if I said, are you a disciple? You go, yes, I am. Man, this is just a great day for us to be able to hear from the one who says, follow me. Trust me on this one, okay? So get your hearts ready if you're a follower of Christ. Um, if you're here today and you're just investigating, if you've come with a friend or you've somehow heard about K2 and you just said, man, I just, you know, I feel like I need something more in my life. I wonder if there, some of you, even if, is there a God or you do believe there's a God and is Jesus really the way to follow him? What's great today is you're just going to get a, a, an, a, an awesome opportunity just to see who he is, who God is and, and how he works and what he's about. And so thank you so much really for honoring us with your presence. And, and by the way, if you are new, I'm Dave Nelson. Um, we're trying to remember that. People come and go, who are you? Uh, so, so I'm Dave Nelson. I'm the lead pastor here at K2. And we're just really, really grateful to, to have you. So let's dive in. Winning the money game. That's what we talked about last week. And uh, I'm just going to recap that because that's really important. If you're playing a game, you got to know if you won or not. In a sports, it's really easy. Did you have more points than the other team when it was over? Yes, you won. Okay, great. So how do you actually win the money game? Well, in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything that you produce. How do I win the money game? Well, the Bible says, is, well, you, you got to honor God. Now, I was over in the red box last week, so I'm going to maybe uh, share with you because you, most of you stick to one box, and maybe you didn't hear this. Um, but, but really, the word honor means weight. It means you give weight to it. It means it's heavy. So if you honor God with your wealth, what you're doing is you're, you're giving weight to what God says about money. You ever have anybody weigh in on a decision? <laughs> You know, that's what we say. I'm going to weigh in on that for you. Really what he's saying is I'm going to influence that for you. And if you honor God, he carries more weight than anybody else. He carries more weight than you, than your spouse, than this culture, than your workplace, anybody. He just, God carries weight. And so if you honor God with your wealth, what you're doing is you're going, I'm going to do with my money, God, what you would do. I'm going to do what you say. That's it. Every time you do what God says about any area of your life, you honor him. You bring him into your life. And when you bring God into your life, his stuff starts getting done. So how do you know if you win when it's all said and done? How are you going to know if you won the money game? Well, did you honor God with your wealth? 
Did you let him weigh in? Did he have more weight so that you actually ended up doing with your money what God would do with his money? So what's interesting about that is then what you have to decide is this question. What is the point of this whole thing? Why, and this is very, very key, especially for today. And I want you to think about this. Why do you try to gain more money? Because we all do, right? I mean, we all would like a raise. We all would like a better job. We all would like more money. Why? What is the purpose of gaining more money and or just managing money? That's the whole point of this thing. We've got to figure that out. And the question really is, is the purpose of gaining and managing money, is it for my personal gain? Is it, for, is it about me? Is money about me and my personal gain? And or is it actually about God? See, because if, if gaining more money is actually about God, and here's the beautiful thing, then it's not just for your gain, it's for our gain. <laughs> the coolest thing about God is he's never about himself. He never is. He's always about the bigger picture. And the coolest thing is when you honor God, when you give weight to God about your finances, when you do with your money what God says to do with your money, everybody wins. And that does include you. You win, but everybody wins. See, that's winning the game. And so we have to be really careful because my guess is, if you had had time, maybe you should take some time this afternoon, why are you trying to gain more money? Or how, why do you manage money? Man, it's crazy how much that's just, wow, it's all about me. It's all about me. So we've got to make sure that we win the game. Now, last week we talked a little bit about how to lose the game with impulsive spending and debt. You know, just this whole idea, you know, that we don't actually replace things anymore, right? You, you don't do that. What do you do? Yeah, you upgrade. <laughs> You know, we just, we constantly upgrade. And I, I shared uh, last week in, in, uh, in, in the red box that my little boy, Caleb, you know, we share the Xbox actually with Christian and his family. They hate it for money. You know, we go back and forth with it. And whenever we don't ha- have the Xbox, Caleb doesn't even want to have friends over. He goes, our house is stupid, right? Because, man, it's just like, it's not as fun. We need to have more stuff. And so we, we get this thing because the phrase forever has been, who has the mo- he who dies with the most toys, wins. But it's not true anymore. It's not just who has the most. It's he who has the best toys wins. Really. Let me just, last thing uh, to, to, on how do we lose the game. You guys know this. In 1 Timothy 6.6, 6, it says godliness. So there would be honoring God, living like God. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We looked at this last week. Thank you very much. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. You guys, don't, don't forget this. You all know that. You didn't come in here with nothing, and you're not leaving with anything. With anything. And so, if you had great material gain in this world, and then you move into the next one, and none of it comes with you, what did you get? What did you gain? Nothing. <laughs> Zero. <clears throat> End of the game. Crap. Sorry, that just came out, because that's what I do when I play. Okay. Because you want to win. And, you're, and you just go, well, what, what did I just do? I spent my whole thing gaining stuff that for eternity I left back there. Zero. And he says, but man, if you lay up treasure for yourself in heaven, man, if you honor God with your money, if you actually do with the resource that he gave you what he would do with it, oh, he'll take it and he'll use it for eternal stuff. 
And then you enter into the kingdom of heaven. It's all done, and you just go, oh. You know what's so fun? Nobody knows what that score is except God. But I do know this, man. You want to win that game. You do not want to enter into eternity thinking, I spent my whole life trying to gain something I left here. Darn it. Shouldn't have done that. All right? So I know what winning is. It's to honor God and to do with it what he wants. I know what losing is. It means kind of just impulsively spending, getting dead, just following my own whims, living for my personal gain, gaining the whole world. And as Jesus said, oh, but don't forfeit your soul. Don't lose that. Why you tried to gain the whole world. That's, that's winning and losing the game. So today, what we want to talk about is this. If you're going to win a game, if you're going to play any game, I'm a game player. I love cards. I love strategic games. I love sports. I love games. Every time you go in, and once you know how to win the game, you have a what? A strategy. You've got a game plan. How are you going to do it? That's what I want to talk to you about today. I want to give you a game plan for winning the money game so that when it's all said and done and you face the one who created you and redeemed you and loves you, he's going to go, well done. You win. All right? So here's the deal. There are five things that you can do with your money pretty much, okay? And by the way, a lot of this I'm totally stealing. Uh, Whenever I study for a message, I read the scriptures, I read other books, I read theologians, I listen to other people's messages. This week, a lot of what I'm going to share with you is from a guy named Andy Stanley down in Atlanta, Georgia. Just just really clear, really good stuff. I just want to make sure you didn't think, wow, Nelson, that was good. Well, that's because it was Andy's. All right, I just want to let you know that. So here's, here's five things you can do with your money. You can spend it. You can repay debt. You can pay your taxes, you can save it, and you can give it. I mean, pretty much, that, that encompasses anything you're doing, right, with, with your money. Somewhere within there, all that you get in a paycheck is falling into those five things. Now, what's interesting about these five things is this is also usually the priority of what we do with our money, right? We get money and we like to spend it. And then, you know, we'll look at it and it's like, man, you know, once I've done that, now I've got to look at some debt repayment because uh, that's killing me. And then, here it comes. April's coming, right? And we're going to do this. You do this, okay? It's, it's wise to do this. Jesus even did this, okay? So pay your taxes. And then, if we've done all that, if there's anything left, then we'll save it. And then we'll give to God and give to others. So what's really interesting, you guys, so if you look at... Um, this kind of flow, what we do with our money, but also usually the way we prioritize what we do with our money. Let's just kind of look and see what each one of these things are about, okay? So the first one, if you spend it, that's about me. If you're repaying debt, that's about me. If you're paying taxes, that's about the government. And that actually ends up being for you. And then if you save it, it's for me. And then if you give it, it's for God and others. Isn't that interesting? Me, me, America, me, God and others. So it's kind of crazy when we look at this plan because most of us going, hey, got my money, I'm going to win the game. And this is how we think we're going to win the game. So what happens with this is this. If I don't spend it all, which most of us do, that's why we end up here. If I don't spend it all, and if I don't, Owe it all, which was kind of funny, you guys, actually, I, when I was typing up my notes, it's so funny when you mess up, because when I wrote the word O, I flipped the W and the O. 
whoa, <laughs> right? It's like, so anyway, if I, if, I, um, if I don't spend it all, if I don't owe it all, if the d- government doesn't get it all, and if I don't save for my future, then I'll give to God and I'll give to others. So what's crazy about this kind of strategy for winning the game is that God and others get what? The leftovers. <laughs> they get the leftovers. So man, I'm going to cook a meal and I'm going to eat that guy. You know, I mean, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but our fridge is, you know, full of leftovers <laughs> and they don't even get eaten half the time, you know? Cuz they're just leftover. So, me, me, America, me, God and others. If I don't spend it all, if I don't owe it all, if I don't pay it all, if I don't save it all, if there's anything left over, then I'll give it to God. Now, the problem is this. Do you feel like this thing right here honors God? So if you've read the Bible at all or looked at the life of Christ, do you feel like God said, hey, man, I want you to win the game. Here's how I do it. See, it doesn't honor God. And what's crazy is even though we're not doing it his way. So it's, it's like you look at Jesus. This isn't anything like Jesus. Because Jesus actually was all about God and others. And the kingdom of God that we talk about, Jesus said his whole message, I mean, he goes, I got great news for you. There's a new way to live. And I'm going to set you free from yourself. I'm going to set you free what bogs you down. That's why, you guys, we need to talk about money in here. Let me just share it again. The reason we've got to talk about it, last week Patrick gave me some stats again. That I don't know if, if lads shared these last week. One out of every seven verses in the book of Luke is on money. Jesus talking every seven, week, every seven verses about money. See, the reason is, is because it's destroying marriages. Statistics prove this. This isn't a spiritual thing. Well, I mean, money is a spiritual thing, but it's not like Christian studies. No, studies around everywhere. No, marriages fall apart because of money. <laughs> People stress and anxiety and worry and health problems come because of money. And, and I just love that Jesus kind of came in, so I'm going to flip everything around because I still want to set you free. So it doesn't, this doesn't look like the kingdom of God at all because the kingdom of God is the way of God, and the way of God is always about loving others and loving God. It doesn't look like Jesus. And here's the other thing that's so interesting is but what we do with God, and, and we should actually, is when we're in trouble financially, what do we do? We cry out to God. God, help me find a job. God, help me to make the deal. God, help, help me to be able to sell this home. God, help me to do all this stuff with our finances. And, and, and I think sometimes what God might say is, why? 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 Because what we're really saying is, God, listen, I want your help. I need you. Please come in. But, but if you do come in, just realize you're actually going to be fifth, okay, on my priority list. <laughs> but, but I want you to come in and help me out. And see, so it just gets kind of wacky. And so then we come to this question and go, man, do, am I going to win the money game? And I want to win it, but we've kind of completely lost sight of what it is, of what really winning is. And, and, and that's why I just want to say, you know, sometimes, and some of you, I, I've, I've talked to a couple people recently, like, you're so deeply ingrained in Christ that you just do this. 
and, and it's just part of your life. You, you just do. But I do know this, that there's a lot of us in here who would, again, you would say, I'm a disciple of Jesus. And you say, I follow God. I love him. If I, I say this, if I, how many, if I ask you, how many of you love God? You'd go, yes, I do. And I'm a disciple of Jesus. And yet you're looking at this and you're going, that's totally my strategy <laughs> to win the game. I spend first, debt, taxes, save, and, and if there's anything left, I do this. So you guys, what we've got to do if we're going to win this game is we've got to prioritize our whole deal here. We've got to figure this thing out. Because how you prioritize your money, and this is so critical, the way we prioritize our money represents either an open door to God or a closed door to God. And, and this is why this is a very spiritual thing. That's why Jesus said, hey, where your treasure is is where your heart is. Because what we're talking about today, you guys, is your heart. And what we want to do today is say, God, I want you in. See, God wants to move into your life, in every area of your life. And for some of us, we've actually kind of shut him out of the deal here, even though we really want his help. And you know what's so great is God wants to help. So um, let's, let's just do this. And, and here's what's great, you guys. We have an incredible chance with our finances, you really do, to see God do amazing things. And people who follow God's ways experience him. And I'm going to say this, share this later. When you bring God into your marriage, you see changes in your marriage. When you bring God into your parenting, you see God do that. When you bring God into any area of your life, his ways start, all of a sudden you go, oh my goodness, this is good. And this is right. So, God wants to come in and do something great. Now let's, let's look at this. So we're gonna go to an Old Testament passage. Um, Susie, can you throw me my Bible? Sorry, didn't bring it up here. Um, Malachi chapter three. Thank you. Um, uh, starting with verse uh, 7, Mal- Malachi, if you want, it's the Italian prophet Malachi, as some people uh, say. So uh, if you want to look that up, it's the absolute last book in the Old Testament, and you can pull that open and look at that. But Malachi is a prophet um, that God is using to talk to the Israelites at a, at a really serious time in their life. And when they are crying out to God, and they're in need of God, and so God spoke through prophets to his people And that's what we're going to see happen here. Malachi chapter 3, starting with verse 7, says this. Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. See, so right off the bat, this is a beautiful thing, is God is saying to them, listen to me. I I am so here for you. There is a life that you can live in connection with God. And he says this right here. What he's saying is, I will move in your direction. I'm here. Like I said, way at the beginning of the message. It's like when we show up, you find out, wow, God was actually there. And so what he's saying is, for your answer says, they've turned away from my decrees and they haven't kept them. And so for a long time, I've been here, but you've been kind of wandering around. And he says this, if you would just turn towards me, I'm turning towards you. I will move in your direction. 
And you guys, this is eternal life, even Jesus said, is knowing the one true God and Jesus whom he sent. Really experiencing the life you're meant to have is when you're connected with God. So if you turned away from his decrees and his ways, he goes, turn back, I'm here. And now we're going to be able to live. So they look at him and they say, but you ask, well, how are we to return? How, How do we do that? Because man, I would love to have you in my life, right? And we talk about this all the time. The fruit of the Spirit this love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, good self-control. We all go, love that, love that. How do we return? And in verse eight, he says this. Will a mere mortal rob God? And yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? And then God says, in tithes and offerings. It's just a crazy, crazy interaction here between God and his people. He goes, return to me, and I'll return to you. Okay, God, man, because I need you. How do I return to you? He goes, well, here's the deal. You're robbing me. Well, how can I rob God? Well, because we got these tithes and offerings, okay, that we're struggling with. Now, let me just give you a little bit of history on that. If you've heard that, a tithe, 10%, okay, is just part of what happened. And back in the time of the Israelites, they actually had a double tithe. I don't know if you guys knew this. There was a double tithe. The first 10% went to take care of the temple where God was and it, paid, it just took care of all the costs, taking care of the priests and taking care of the sacrificial system and, and money also that went in was to take care of the poor, okay? So 10%, and as we said in, in Proverbs 3, 9, the first stuff you get in, the first fruits, the best stuff, the best thing you've got, you give 10% of that right off the bat and you give it to God so he can do his stuff in the temple and ministry and care for the poor. And then... They also had another 10%, and they would save up all year long, and God would say, now I want you to give 10%, because at the end of the year, you know what we're going to do? We're going to throw a party. (laughs) I love this about God. The first time I saw this in the scripture, I'm like, now that's a God I want to serve. Right there. A God who says, hey, pull away 10%, because at the end of the year, you and me, we're going to rock, and we're going to celebrate, and we're just going to, and we're just, I want you to remember how good I am every year. I want you to see you were faithful to me. I was faithful to you. We had this connection thing going on. Woohoo! I love that. And here's the other thing. Every three years on that one, though, they said, hey, that money you gave for the big party, we're actually going to give that to the poor. Because that's just the heart of God. So that was the tithe right there. And so he says, so here's the deal. You guys have turned away from that. I kind of showed you my decree, and this is how I want this to work. I want you to give financially right off the bat the best thing you've got to do the ministry in the temple and the priests and all that and the poor. And I want you to celebrate. But you, you guys aren't doing that anymore. You're giving, but you're not giving in the way that I've invited you to. And so really what he was saying in this is giving isn't a priority for you anymore. And if we're going to be hanging out together, this is a big issue, all right? So then he goes on, he says this in verse 9. You're under a curse, Okay. Now, this was Israel he was talking to. Make sure we understand. He goes, Israel, you're under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. See, and the reason he says that is if you read the Old Testament, God made a deal with the Israelites. He had this old covenant. <laughs> he said, listen, I'm, I'm going to be your God, and you're going to be my people. If you honor me, I'm honoring you. And he goes, but if you dishonor me and you totally walk away from me, then we're going to have some struggle here. And he goes, so here's the problem. As a nation, you guys are totally under a curse because you're not honoring me anymore. And so that's just how it worked, and you guys are under a curse. But here's what's so cool, you guys, is God, I don't know about you guys, 
how many of you have read the Old Testament prophets and just got freaked out by God? Anybody? How many of you never read the Old Testament prophets? <laughs> okay, all right. So listen, seriously, when you read them, the first time I read them, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was scared to death of this God. As I matured in my faith, actually now when I read the Old Testament prophets, I'm like, what an amazing God. He just, he keeps just, he's so unbelievably patient. Just trying again. Let me, okay, let me try again. Let me, let me, okay, Whew, man. You guys are really testing me here. Let me try again. And he just kept telling them and telling them because he so wanted to honor them. Because he said, man, listen, here's how this works. You honor me, I will honor you. You'll win in battle. You'll have provision. You have lots of babies, which was really important back then. Still is today. You will be honored by me. That's how it worked. So, verse 10, he says, so here's how we want to work this out. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Bring the whole tithe. See, what was happening is, they were usually bringing not the best stuff that they had to God. They'd bring like the sheep that they wouldn't even eat, right? And if guests came over, they were like, there's no way they would ever give that sheep. It was broken, it was dirty, it was nasty. They're like, hey, okay, God, you can have this sheep, you know? And they were just giving him stuff that was just left over. And he's like, no, that's not how, okay, let's not work that way, okay? Best stuff. So bring the whole storehouse, the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and that there may be food in my house. And then he says, test me in this. Test me in this. Now, that does not mean, like in the New Testament, where, where Jesus makes sure, do not tempt the Lord. See, when you're tempting the Lord, what you're doing, you're saying, hey, God, I'm going to do my own thing, and I'm going to see if you'll show up for me, <laughs> okay? So this is my way, and you kind of, you know, I'm going to test you, God, and see if you really love me, because this is what I want, and I'm going to see if, you, you know, this is completely different. This isn't about your way. This is about God's way. So God is saying, hey, try my way. Test me in this. It's really cool. It's almost like God is just saying, I dare you to do this. I dare you try me. He's saying, if I'm first, because he goes, I know this, if I'm first, that I know I have your heart. And if I've got your heart, then I've got your life. And if I've got your life, then I'm going to be able to create in you what you were created to live, and I'm going to be able to create through you and completely impact and change the world. You know what's so crazy, you guys, um, is when we hear passages like this, you know, we read this stuff, automatically what we hear is, oh, crap, somebody wants my money. I knew it. Some of you are visiting today, you're like, oh, I knew it. That's church. Some of you brought a friend, you're like, oh, darn it. You know, I mean, people have knocked on doors and said, hey, why don't you go to church? And one of the top reasons is people will say, because churches just want my money. See, you've got to understand this. God doesn't need your money. He wants your heart. And what he knows is this. Wherever your treasure is, that is where your heart is. So I just so care about your heart. I don't want you to lose this game. I don't want you to get burdened and heavy laden. I don't want your relationships to fall apart. I don't want you to get caught up. I want you to live. That's what he's saying in this thing. So he says, so test me. And then the last thing he says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Now, I want to say this. 
God was speaking to Israel here. He wasn't speaking to America, okay? He wasn't speaking to you. He was speaking to Israel, making them a promise. You say, you guys test me in this, and you watch. I will fill up your storehouse so much you won't even be able to contain it. Now, I will say this, though. There's a principle in what God's saying there that you will see from Genesis to Revelation. You can't take that specific promise and say, "Woo, man, I'm going to give and I'm going to get rich, right? What you can say is this. God is saying, if you let me into any area of your life and you trust me, you honor me and you do it my way, guess what? You're going to win. You're going to win. Bring me into your marriage. Watch what I will do. I'm telling you, every time I do premarital, first thing I sit down with right off the bat, I'm just, I'm just going to say right off the bat, if you want any chance, if you want to really win this thing, there is a love that is so far beyond what you've got right now for your spouse or for your fiance. Get into his love and watch what he'll do in your marriage. And the same thing is true, you guys. For some reason, in the Bible, the preeminent illustration that God uses is with our money. Test me in this. Watch and see if I will not come through with you. And what's great is so now we can go to the New Testament and we can look at this. See, God, man, when you go to the New Testament... Now we see even more than anybody in the Old Testament ever knew how much God wanted to get into our lives. So much so that he, the whole idea of sending Jesus Christ into this world was to set us free from a heart that's bent away from God and to give us a new heart that's brought back to God to forgive us of all of our sin, to reconcile us back into a relationship with God. I mean, if you ever need to wonder about how much God loves you and how much he wants to move in your direction, just read the story of Jesus Christ. I'm going to send him for you so you and I can get back together like I created you to be in the first place. The New Testament, awesome news. So the question comes again, will we make him a priority? Will we throw open the door and say, yeah, God, come in? So let's look at a couple verses. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. So this is Jesus. It says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. See, so what Jesus is saying is this. Only one thing can be in first place. <laughs> that's, just, that's just how it works. You can't do this two connected thing. Eventually, you will love one and you will hate the other. And so we're saying, and I know some, many of you, it's so, I love this place, by the way. I just, I, I, I you know, and it's not this, I don't love this building. It's cool. But when I say I love this place, what I'm saying is I, I just love you guys. <laughs> I, I, our arts team right now, we're struggling because we can't, we're, we're trying to figure out how to tell all the stories of what God's doing. Patrick's over here, the guy who led the worship, Patrick all, also does a lot of our videos. Is he not doing a great job on these video stuff? It's fantastic. But we're, we're like killing him, right? And his poor wife is like, I love to see my husband because we have so many stories of what God is doing in people's lives. And, and it's, we just want to share them. And I know many of you are taking brand new steps in your faith towards God and you do want to serve him and you do want to be generous and, and you want to honor him. And so you're seeking him and yet he's not quite got to here first place. He's, he's still down the, the totem pole here a little bit. And so when we look at this, for I think what God is saying to all of you right now, listen, 
for me to be first in your life, in your life, in your heart. You got you to let me ha- take some priority. So in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31 through 33, Jesus says this. He goes a few verses later. So don't worry about these things. <laughs> don't worry about these. <laughs> you know, he says, what will we eat? And what will we drink? And what will we wear? See, those are, those are all about me. I love what Andy Stanley said. He said, actually, just take the we, look, and turn that upside down, and now you've got me. All right? So, so what me eat? What me drink? You know, what me? It's like, that's me and me and me. And he says, Come, don't worry about this stuff, okay? And then he goes on to say this. These dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. And the word there is just people who haven't made a connection with me, who don't know how much I love them and stuff, they, they get, you get contu- completely consumed in, because what else is there to live for, right? Me. And, and so, but your father already knows all your needs. So then he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. For you guys, the normal, this is New Living Translation. Most of your translations say, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously. Just his kingdom and his righteousness. Oh my gosh, do what's right. Take, honor me, because I know what's right. So seek me, put my kingdom above everything else and do what's right, and he will give you everything you need. Everything else will take, take care. So seek first, and all these other things will happen. So really, what God is saying is, is here's you go. Here's your game plan. You ready? I'm going to win the game. i got a strategy. Here it is. You just turn it upside down. <laughs> That's all you do. It's so cool. Like, I, I, you guys, whenever you read about the kingdom of God, there's so many things in there where you just go, man, all Jesus does is go, okay, you know how this world works? Just do the opposite. You'll be good. Just flip it upside down and everything will be good. Okay? Want to be great? Yeah! Okay, be the servant of all, right? Just flip it all upside down. And now, all of a sudden, these, what God is saying is, if you do this, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. Right off the bat, right off the top, best thing you've got, give it to me. Give to me and give to others. And then everything else will be added unto you. Can I take a, this is a side note? This is pretty interesting about living in America. What happens if you give and you save to this? What happens to your taxes? They go down. Isn't that a cool country that we live in? If you actually give and save, your taxes go down. But if you flip it around, your taxes go up. Isn't that crazy? So it's just a side note, just to help you there a little bit. So, so let's just simplify this even more, you guys, to make you a game plan. If you would give first and then save and then live on the rest, God is saying you'll win the game. Give, save, and live on the rest. Give, save, and live on the rest. Seek me first. Seek my kingdom. Seek my ways. Honor me with your wealth and test me in this and see if I will not come. And, and, and what's crazy, you guys, I don't know. I, you can come up to me afterwards if you want. Personally, up to this point, I have never met somebody who said, you know, I'm going to do this. And I'm, I'm just, I'm, right off the bat, I'm going I'm to honor God. I'm going to be obedient. I'm just going to give him right off the top this. And then I'm going to be smart. 
okay? I'm going to take some wisdom, and I'm going to prepare as much as I can for the future, and then I'm gonna, I'll live on the rest. I hadn't met one person who came up to me and said, that totally messed up my whole life. <laughs> I, I, I just haven't had that conversation yet. It's amazing what will happen. You will start to experience. You love God's stories. We love them, right? Can I just tell you? You don't get God's stories without living God's ways. You don't get great God stories by being in control of your life. <laughs> if you, you're going to get your story. How's your story? I mean, I see, I want God's stories, but you don't, but God's stories are scary because it means you're not in control anymore and you're actually going to do what he wants you to do. You're going to trust him. It's tough. It's hard. Our humanness freaks out with this stuff. But God says, man, I will come in and I will do amazing things. You guys, this honors God right there. Now I'm about God and others first. That's the life of Christ. If you're a follower of Jesus in here today, and, and, you're, and again, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, and, and this is the way you're doing your life, okay, I'll just say it. You're not following Jesus. Okay, don't, don't fool yourself. See, it's weird. We, we think, we go, I'm, I'm a Christian. I don't do what he says, but I'm a, I'm a Christian. I don't follow him, but I, I'm his disciple. It's just, it's not true. Now, I'm not saying you're not his kid, okay? I got kids who don't follow me. Anybody else? Okay, all right. So I'm not saying that you're not his child. What I'm saying is you're not following him, and if you're not following him, you're not experiencing the life he has for you, and we wonder why. We wonder why we don't have God's stories. We wonder why we don't have his blessing. We wonder why we're anxious. And Well, because. Turn it around. Give save and live on the rest and watch what he might do. First Timothy, which we looked at last week, said, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. Command them to do number one. So I'm doing my job. In this way, they will lay up treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. I just, it's so fun for me. I just, got to, I just got to share with you how to take hold of the life that is truly life. And now it's, ball's in your court. The ball's in your court. And you know what's so cool, you guys? When we were planning this message, um, Mary Goldring, she just goes, man, you know what people don't know? Is giving's just fun. Is giving's fun. You guys you know that? I mean, when Christmas comes, woo, this is fun to give. And, and her husband, Steve, had an amazing opportunity, you know, just, just experiencing this, this opportunity to give and the blessing and seeing people's face light up and just, it's, it's awesome. Giving is fun. And here's the deal. So I don't know if you guys know this or not, but we all live on a percentage of our income. Do you guys know you do that? You're like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. How much do you live on? Well, 100%, right? I mean, that's what I do. I get my money and I live on it. So that first thing takes over. And some of you are like, actually, you know what? No, I, I actually also have uh, used my credit card. I'm, I'm living on about 110, 130% of my income. <laughs> you know, I'm, I, should do a, I should do a seminar, as Andy Stanley said, because I've learned how to live on even more than I bring in. So, <laughs> so here's the deal. You, you've got to decide and you've got to figure out what your percentages are. And this, you guys, you know, financial peace, we're going to promote. The greatest thing for Susie and I was finally putting together a budget, really knowing where every penny goes. And you know what happens is when you do a budget, you know what you do? You prioritize. That's all it is. Making a budget is making a priority. 
with your finances. And, and when you make a priority with your finances, you find out what you value. That's all that is. When we, we're we're going to do our budget here for K2 in a couple months, and all we're going to do is say, what do we really value? And then we're going to put our money towards that. So one last thing before we kind of close up here. When we get to percentages, what I know is people, I mean, don't you, when you guys hear the word tithe, how many of you just go, hair kind of comes up on the back of your neck, and 10%, this thing is, you know, because that was the law, that was the Old Testament. And, and I have a, I've had so many conversations with very sincere followers of Jesus who say, hey, that whole tithe thing, right, that doesn't, that doesn't, that's not, I don't have to do that anymore, right? See, here's what's crazy is, I, I don't, well, I mean, there's, I can't get into arguments, but Jesus, there's a couple scriptures, but when you really look at the scripture in the New Testament, there's not a whole lot about the tithe like there was in the first half. But can I just share this with you? Instead of the law, you know what we have after Jesus? Love. In fact, he, that's what he says. Hey, don't be in debt at all except this continuing debt that you have to love. So it's awesome. You don't have the law. You don't have to do 10% anymore. You get to love. So I just want to tell you, if you're a Christian, I'm, again, I'm not talking to you guys who are, you know, if you're not following Christ and you're just checking, here you go, but listen to this. If you're a Christian and inside you've got this argument, you're like, hey, that, t- that tie thing, that was Old Testament. I don't have to do that. What you've got to check in your heart then is when you're bringing up that argument, is that because you're trying to love more? Do you not want the tithe because, thank God I'm free from that to be generous? <laughs> or is the Spirit of God arguing within you to nip the tithe so you can actually spend more on yourself? You guys follow me there? This is one of those ones where I'm like, okay, this will be fun. You need, if you're arguing that it's not about the tithe anymore. Most people aren't thinking, it's because I really wish I could give more. I really wish I could be even more loving and more like Christ. Usually if we're arguing, I don't want to give the tithe anymore because I don't want to have to give that much. And that's just base, man. That's just, that's just pure obedience as we're going to hear in a second to God. You now have the Holy Spirit of God inside of you who would give his son for the world. So, as we move forward and say, I'm going to win the game, one of the ways you win the game, man, is you get a budget and you get your percentages in there. And you say, right off the top, I'm going to honor God. He is more important to me than anything else in this world. And I'm going to save, I'm going to be wise, and then I'm going to live. And God says, that's going to be good. That's going to be good. It's so fun. After doing almost all my message prep, uh, our story for today, I got to watch the video, and I'm like, oh, they're going to say everything I just said, except it's going to be probably better and more personal. So uh, Dave and Mindy York, I uh, heard Dave, he was just sharing with some stuff with us about how he went on the journey of coming to a place of tithing. And um, we wanted for you to give a chance to hear their story as we close today. Watch this. So we got married the day after Dave graduated with a bachelor's degree in accounting, accounting. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that would mean that my new husband would be very good with numbers and would manage the budget. Over the next year, he spent countless hours studying for the CPA exam to become a certified public accountant. I also thought that would mean he'd be good at numbers. No, I was I'm- wrong. 
wrong. I'm kind of like the oncologist who smokes. I like know the theory of it, but actually applying it to my life, not so much. I knew that it was all going wrong when the gas was shut off and I came home and it was a fall day as I was working two jobs, helping him go through law school and the gas was shut off. It was shut off for a day and it was Bad just... day. Bad day. It was like in the 60s outside. It was not bad. It was it, cold. We wore jackets, light jackets inside and it was fine. We had a big fight. When we would run out of money, I would yell at Dave, and um, he would look guilty, and nothing was accomplished and nothing changed. And also around that same time, there was a sermon at church. It was on Malachi 3, and it was talking about how um, we rob God when we don't tithe, when we don't bring our tithe to the storehouse. And that was the first time when I really got the concept that when I don't tithe, I'm keeping what God has set aside as sacred. And it was ultimately an obedience issue. We decided that we would tithe at a time when we had a house payment and a home equity line. Two student loans. Two student loans and a leased car and a car payment. And a baby. And a baby and credit card debt. And we're like, okay, we're gonna start tithing. And I think we had an account at RC Willie too. Yeah, and a dog. Yeah, that dog with that. Let's not even get into that dog. And, and along with that, the, the realization that if God called us to give to anyone um, or to tithe, we couldn't do it. We were in no position to do anything. If God called us to a job change, we couldn't go. We were totally bogged down with all this other chaos and garbage financially in our lives that we, we couldn't obey God. Anyway, we picked that moment to start tithing and I'd like to say it was um, for all these great grandiose reasons no it was because we felt a call to obedience and we really felt like it was what God wanted us to do and we also didn't do it in order to get all these blessings and benefits I think there's that philosophy out there and there's a lot of great reasons and I love that we tithe I love that we have the opportunity to be generous, but ultimately for us, it was out of obedience. But tithing is not generosity. Tithing no. is obedience. Absolutely, absolutely. There's tithes and then there's giving. Right. One of the traps that we got into, especially being young students, is we had this concept, well, as soon as we earn more, we'll be able to solve all of our financial problems. That was our whole plan, earn We more. thought, yeah, we thought we had an earning problem. We had a spending problem. What I would say tithing did for us is yes, it was obedience, and yes, I do think that God blesses it, but it changed our mindset totally. from a spending mentality to a giving and saving mentality, and it affected all the other areas of our life. And I think when we think of money, we need to think of it in spiritual terms and realize that there is a spiritual component that you bring into your finances when you start to tithe. But at, at the end of the day, it wasn't about that money. And it's not about, oh, I've learned so much. It's about, as God has walked through this process with us, we have seen his face. I mean, isn't that what we all want? I don't want to be smarter. 
I don't want to know more Bible verses. I mean, that's a good thing. There's a lot of good things to want, but the best thing at the end of the day is to see the face of God. That's what I think being obedient financially. That's where you're going.